Welcome to Storytelling with Data, the podcast where listeners around the world learn to be better storytellers and presenters with best-selling author, speaker, and workshop guru, Cole Nussbaumer Nafflick. We'll cover a wide range of topics that will help you effectively show and tell your data stories. So get ready to separate yourself from the mess of 3D exploding pie charts and deliver knockout presentations. And with that, here's Cole. Hi, this is Cole. Thanks for tuning in. Tension. You know what it is. It's that skin-prickling feeling you get sitting on your couch watching suspenseful events unfold on screen. The wonder you see in a child's eyes when you tell a story and they're met with an unexpected turn of events. The curiosity you feel in a drama when the pair you thought for sure would be together forever part ways. Tension is the uncomfortable silence before the first person laughs after the joke you just told. It's the gap between what is and what could be. Tension is also a key component of story, which makes it a fantastic tool to use when you communicate. This is true whether it's data you're communicating or really anything, which is Easy for me to say, but perhaps more complicated to figure out how to practically utilize tension in a business setting to communicate your graph or presentation. However, tension in a business setting need not be an elusive concept. Today, I want to make it clear, comprehensible, easy, and just more obvious how you can use tension in your data stories and beyond. I've talked a little already about what tension is, but let's get more specific about how you can think about it in business. Tension is what lends shape to a story or a course of events. Now, one way I often explain it is by highlighting what things are often like when tension is not explicitly present, or at least isn't brought to light in a clear and intentional way. That's the typical business presentation, a linear path. For example, let's say we're communicating the results of an analysis. We might start out with the question we asked or the hypothesis we posited. Then we'd go into the data we collected, what we did to clean it, the analysis we performed, the assumptions we made, our findings from the analysis, and then finally, the takeaways or recommendations. Tension is absent from that linear path. One thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next, and so on until the end. Not super interesting. Counter that with story. We start off with a plot. Then, through some sort of inciting incident, tension is introduced. That tension builds over the course of the story, reaching its peak at the climax. Then there's a falling action as things start to settle and an ending that typically resolves the tension that was brought to light. Tension is the thing gone wrong or the thing that could go wrong until your audience or stakeholders act to resolve it. When I teach the lesson on story in our workshops, and as you may even notice as I talk through it here, I tend to get quite dramatic in my delivery, particularly in the discussion about tension. This is to emphasize the point, but certainly shouldn't be taken as a call to create drama for our stories to be effective. It's never about making up 
tension. If there weren't tension present, we'd have nothing to communicate about in the first place. So it's about figuring out what tension exists in a given situation and how we can illuminate that for others. This is a worthwhile effort because when we do it well, we get people's attention and are in a better position to motivate them to act. This, by the way, is one of the many areas when it comes to communicating with data and also just communicating in general where audience is key. I can't emphasize enough the importance of getting to know your audience and what matters to them. It's easy to concentrate on what's meaningful to us, but that's not a good way to influence. For that, we need to step outside of ourselves and really think about what tension exists for our audience. What is at stake for them? What do they stand to gain if things go well or lose if they don't? When we've effectively identified the tension in the scenario and related it to the stakes for our audience, the action we want them to take resolves the tension in our story. I'll talk more about how to identify tension in a moment. But before that, I should comment that identifying tension is a useful undertaking even if you don't go full-blown story when it comes to the overall structure of your communication. In the planning process, step back and ask yourself, what is the tension in this instance? What is the thing gone wrong or the thing that could go wrong that others are going to care about? This will ensure that you have that top of mind as you're planning and creating your graphs and slides. How do we identify tension? I want to talk a bit about the process of doing so in a given scenario, and in particular, what to do if the tension isn't obvious. Then I'll talk you through some specific examples so we can explore the forms tension can take in various situations. As I do this, I encourage you to think about your work, how you might characterize the various instances of tension, and how you can use that to communicate. If the tension isn't obvious, there are a few tactics you can try. First, let's talk about something I mentioned briefly before, and that is to identify what is at stake for your audience. As part of this, it can be useful to complete the Big Idea Worksheet. Uh, you can download that at storytellingwithyou.com slash big idea. I'll also link to it in the show notes. The worksheet guides you to get a specific project in mind and then an audience and really think through what matters to them. What do they stand to gain or what are the benefits if they act in the way you think they should? And what are the risks if they don't? Related to this, I'd like to read a short excerpt from my latest book, Storytelling With You. This is from Chapter 2, which is focused entirely on crafting your message. What if my audience doesn't care about what's at stake? I've had numerous conversations with people crafting the big idea who've grappled with this question. In nearly every case, the challenge was that the person was focusing on what mattered to them rather than what mattered to their audience. If you position things right, others will naturally care because you will have made it personal for them. 
The tip I touched on earlier to play things out to extreme is sometimes helpful here and can be useful to do in both positive and negative directions. The positive direction would go something like this. If the action I want to take place happens, this thing follows. That's good. Then as a result, this other thing transpires. That's great. Continue this until you get world peace, world domination, or whatever your ultimate goal might be. Doing this in the negative direction ends in the ultimate doomsday scenario. Are either of these conclusions likely to play out? No. The learning is in the exercise. Then figuring out how to back up to a position that is appropriate framing for what is at stake in a given situation. This last point is important. Thoughtfully assess what will be pertinent, but avoid going overly extreme with your audience. I once had a conversation with a workshop participant after doing the big idea activity where we both had an aha moment. Let's call her Kate. Kate worked on an audit team and had been trying to get her colleagues to prepare for blockchain. That's the digital ledger in which transactions made in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency are recorded publicly. Kate believed that the audit profession as a whole would be in danger unless they took actions to prepare for the future in regard to this. Her challenge was getting people to listen to her. She read her big idea to me, which basically said, I'm paraphrasing, you are going to become obsolete and the audit profession as a whole is destined to end as a result of blockchain. You must take action now to prepare for it. Let's think back to my worst case scenario advice. Kate had done this. The challenge was that she hadn't backed up from there appropriately. The entire profession failing and everyone losing their job tomorrow was such an unlikely outcome that she was easy to ignore. As we talked about this, I witnessed Kate's pivotal moment when she understood why she wasn't getting a positive response. The solution? We discussed reputational risk and perceptions in the organization, and Kate thought these would be better for conveying what was at stake for this group in a way that would cause them to want to listen to her and act in the near term. Focusing on the gap between the current state and desired or ideal state is another tactic that may help you identify tension. You might start with the ideal state. What would things look like if they were perfect? Describe that utopia in words or conjure images of it in your mind. Then consider the harsh reality of today, where things don't align with the nirvana you've imagined. What is keeping it from being so? That is your tension. As another tactic, you can try jumping ahead to the action. What do you want people to do? The steps you wish them to take likely resolve or ease some sort of issue. Uh, so starting with the action can help you back into the identification of tension. The action itself, by the way, can take many forms. It might be a decision or a discussion. If you need help identifying the action, try listing out the potential actions that your audience could take based on the information you share. Then identify from that list the primary action you want them to take. Be specific. Uh, you can suppose you'll say this sentence to your audience. After reading my deck or listening to my presentation, you should blank. Related to this, one resource you can check out is my second book, Let's Practice. That's the blue one. Exercise 1.19 is entitled Identify the Action. 
and it actually prompts you to do what I've just described, but also lists a few dozen potential actions for you to peruse and consider. After all of this, if you're still having trouble articulating the tension, I recommend that you talk through the scenario with someone else, a colleague, manager, or stakeholder. The conversation may enlighten you. You could even use some of the ideas I've just talked through as conversation starters. What's at stake for the audience? What is the gap between what is and what could be? What action should the audience take? Bottom line is don't give up if the tension isn't immediately obvious. Keep working to identify it. And this, of course, is going to become easier with practice. Speaking of practice, let's talk through some real-world scenarios and practice identifying the tension in each. I'll start with an example similar to one I already mentioned, but get more specific. Say you've just completed an analysis of meetings at your organization. You've found that since people have been working remotely, they've actually been spending a lot more time in meetings. Based on some nuances you've learned from an employee survey that covered this topic, you're recommending that managers empower their teams to decline non-essential meetings. The tension here could take a number of forms. It could be the declining productivity of the workforce since people are spending so much time talking rather than doing. Tension could be in the frustration of employees if things are feeling unbalanced and like they aren't getting anything done. It could be in the cost when you consider what the people in the organization are being paid for the time spent in meetings. It might be some of all of these things. So to get specific, we should consider our primary audience and what matters most to them. Let's say our audience is senior-level managers. We want them to empower individuals on their teams to balk at the norm of accepting every meeting invite that comes their way and decline those that aren't critical. If we think about the thing gone wrong and the thing that could go wrong for them that might entice them to pay attention and act, we know that time spent in meetings has increased. Our survey also shows employee dissatisfaction. So there's a thing gone wrong for our managers. If we think about the thing that could go wrong, playing that forward, job dissatisfaction can lead to attrition, people leaving the organization. It's expensive and time-consuming to hire people, so retention is something we know our senior managers care deeply about. Therein lies the tension for this data story. If I had to say my message in a single sentence, this is that big idea I mentioned earlier, might be something like, retain your team by empowering individuals to decline non-essential meetings. This would be the action my audience can take to resolve the tension that matters to them. Related to this, I'll mention a blog post that Alex on the team here published recently. It's called A Quick Presentation Makeover. And in it, she takes another real-world data analysis and breaks down the plot, twists, and ending that allows her to revamp that visual with ease. In that case, the twist, the unexpected learning from the data, encapsulates the tension in the scenario. I'll link to that in the show notes so you can check it out. Let's consider another example, your project update at a team meeting. 
In the instance where everything's on track, it's more of a status update because you need people to be aware but don't really need any action from them beyond that. Actually, I'll pause here so you can think about what the tension could be in this scenario. Status quo, everything's going as expected. What's the tension? Okay, that was a trick one. There is no tension there. Things are on track. Nothing more you need to know or do on this front, folks. Everything is under control. Let's spend our precious time elsewhere. But let's consider when that's not the case. I find with something like a project update, often the tension lies in the gap between what we planned or expected to happen and what actually happened. Related to this, I'll draw on an actual scenario from my team here at Storytelling with Data. Now, you may be aware, or if not, I'll make you aware now, that we have a YouTube channel. We frequently publish short videos featuring data viz and slide makeovers, strategies for graphing and communicating data, tool tips. And now, one of the cool things about YouTube is the amount of data we get related to how our videos are performing. Late last year, I started a video series called Storytelling with Cole, where I share strategies related to my new book, so planning, creating, delivering stellar presentations. In a recent one-on-one, Alex, who I mentioned before and who manages our YouTube channel, gave me an update on how the series is doing. Knowing her audience, me, she actually played up the tension a bit, which, as you might imagine, worked pretty well. She put a graph of views over time where the y-axis was cumulative number of views, the x-axis was days since posting, and then each line represented a video. So imagine all of these lines start at the bottom left at 0, 0, uh, and then shoot upward, curving and then flattening out to the right. And the general shape of the various lines was similar, but some shot up much more versus others less. Some flatten out sooner while others continue to increase. And so at this point, I'm looking at this graph, and Alex hasn't labeled any of these lines, except a recent one from Simon um, that's been doing really well. It's actually a dashboard to data story makeover that's been pretty popular. You may want to check that out. Most of the other lines, by the way, and these are the various episodes of the Storytelling with Cole series, fall below Simon's line. Uh, Though there are some interesting points where we see views flatten out and then pick up again. Uh, This tends to be due to an effective title change or, in some cases, when a university instructor assigns a video to their class to watch. So again, at this point, I'm looking at this. Alex is presenting her screen. None of these lines are labeled on purpose. (laughs) So I focus immediately on the bottom ones. So those are the ones performing worst out of the group. And Alex knows me, so she anticipated this. And she starts highlighting a single line at a time and adding the video title, starting with the bottom and working upwards. Some of the lower ones are where we're asking people to do something that takes work, record yourself, storyboard, or when the title is perhaps unclear. Uh, Let's see, one of those was transform the teleprompter. Another was optimized for virtual Interestingly, the one from the series that features graphs more directly is actually performing similar to Simon's video. Uh, That one's about focusing attention in data viz. So Alex reveals 
these line details one by one. And we talk about them until we get to the point where there's just one more line at the top, the best performing of them all. And it was the one I just had published, episode eight. That's five slide slip-ups to avoid. And it was at this point that Alex directed her main message to me, which was basically, do more like this. (laughs) And she shared some related ideas. Stepping back, it's interesting. The way Alex was able to create palpable tension for me, her audience, by knowing what I would care about and then structuring how she walked through the graph to take that into account. It would have been a totally different experience and conversation if she'd simply put the final graph in front of me. Next, let's consider a totally different scenario, a conference presentation. For this one, I'll draw on my experience delivering keynotes. I'm going to describe an approach that I think can work well when you want to teach something, motivate people to change their habits, or inspire. I've been known to start with the harsh reality of today. Given what I focus on generally, this is typically a confusing graph or an overwhelming slide. I sometimes even take a couple minutes to get into character and deliver an awful presentation. This sets the plot for the story of my session. The tension lies between that ugly but highly relatable reality of the subpar graph or slide and the beautiful and inspiring picture of what could be. In other words, tension is the skill, knowledge, or execution gap between where my audience is or where they perceive their colleagues and organizations to be and where they'd like to be. Let's talk about one more situation, see if we can identify the tension there. An important meeting. Imagine that I'm a consultant who has been engaged by a food manufacturing company. They're interested in reworking the blend of their popular trail mix product in order to reduce the cost of production. Together with my research team, I've analyzed the competitive landscape and performed in-depth study across a variety of dimensions of the current trail mix. This included the design, execution, and data analysis of a series of taste tests to understand consumer preferences related to alternative recipes and packaging. The tension in this story is the unanticipated and, frankly, disappointing outcome. The original mix is preferred over all of the alternatives tested. This is a problem, but it's not where the story ends. Rather, I can use this tension to bridge into some additional unexpected learnings that can be used to move forward, outlining several potential options for next steps for my client organization and using this to drive discussion and a decision. If this scenario sounds familiar, it's because it's the case study that I draw upon in storytelling with you. You can actually watch a video of my final presentation to the client group on our YouTube channel. I'll link to that in the show notes. For a twist on the business meeting scenario, Mike on the team here actually has an interesting take related to this. For ongoing projects or communications that are happening over the course of time with a given audience, one way to think about it is your meta story extending across all of these. And then you can narrow or expand different parts depending on where you're at in the broader picture. 
Meaning, if you spent a ton of time setting the plot or context and exploring tension last time, you may be able to simply jump in this time and answer the question, so what? Mike expands on this idea in the article, When Tension Gets High, Get to the Point, which I'll link to in the show notes. Let's take a quick break. When we return, I'll answer common questions related to tension. Hello, podcast listeners. Join Cole and the Storytelling with Data team in person for a day of engaging hands-on learning in London on April 18th or Chicago on May 5th, 2023. Drawing on lessons from all three of Cole's best-selling books, you'll learn the ins and outs of great graphs and stellar slides, how to weave your message and data into compelling narratives, and methods to refine your presentation skills to engage and drive action. More information is available at storytellingwithdata.com workshop. And podcast listeners can use the code PODCAST10 for 10% off the registration price. That's PODCAST10 for 10% off registration. We hope to see you in London or Chicago. Welcome back. There are some common questions related to tension that come up in our workshops that I'd like to address next. First off, how do you know if your audience has the appetite for tension in your presentation? And a related question, what if I don't know my audience, so I'm not sure what they care about or what tension exists for them? Now, I hope you might anticipate how I'm going to answer this one. Do what you can to get to know your audience. Otherwise, you're going in blind, which is not a recipe for success. I'll mention that chapter one of Storytelling With You focuses entirely on audience. It includes a whole section on tactics you can use to get to know an unfamiliar audience. If you don't know what your audience cares about or what tension exists for them, from my perspective, you're not ready to communicate to them yet. Do I risk making my presentation overly dramatic by incorporating tension? If you're accurately identifying the natural tension in a situation, it's never going to be overly dramatic. What can be overly dramatic or underly dramatic, depending on the situation, is how you talk about the tension. Consider how you use your body and your voice and the words you choose over the course of your presentation and make them match the situation. Recording yourself can be useful here so you can see and hear how you come across. I mentioned this before, but we have a relatively unpopular video on this that I'll link to in the show notes. Another question, is tension the same as a problem statement? Framing something as a problem statement is usually a pretty good way to strip any tension that does exist out of the situation. This goes back to that linear path that I mentioned earlier. This, and then this, and then this, and then that. Problem statement, analysis, solution. Because there's nothing inherently awful about this, except that it could be so much better. Don't kill your tension by hiding it in a problem statement. What if my tension isn't very tense, but I still need to present the work? This is totally fine. If we think of the shape of story, uh, the narrative arc, it's typically depicted as this dramatic rise and fall. But that's simply a framework. It should be adjusted for your given situation. Sometimes the tension might just be a bump or blip on an otherwise smooth path. In other cases, there might be more than a single source of tension to raise and resolve. 
Related to this, there's a blog post I penned a while back called The Structures of Story, which I'll link to in the show notes. This is also a good lead into another common question. Where should I insert tension in my story? There is no right or wrong answer here. Sort of like asking, where should I put data or a graph in my story? Which actually is also a question people sometimes ask. But I'll put that question back to you. Where will tension work best in your story and given your audience? Let me get more specific here with some questions related to the placement of tension that people have been known to ask. If I lead with the ending, does that kill the tension? Definitely not. Or it doesn't have to, I should say. This actually brings to mind what I thought was an excellent HBO series that my husband and I recently binge-watched, The White Lotus. I won't ruin anything for those who haven't watched it or haven't watched it through, but each season starts out with a body. So we know someone dies, but we don't know who or how. And it's actually because the ending is shared up front, but without all of the details or without any details, really, that underlying tension is present throughout the episodes. And then, of course, builds to a crescendo over the course of the season. By the way, I like the second season much more than the first. Let's translate that idea into a business setting. I could start with the ending, the action. Audience, you're not even going to believe it, but the action we need you to take is X. But that's not the entire story. I want you to have that in your head up front because it's going to help you more critically process the details I'm going to walk you through. And then you could go through that and reveal later on and get people engaged around what you need them to do. And that's just one example of how you might lead with the ending without killing the tension. Actually, if we think back, the way Alex shared those YouTube stats and the unlabeled graph used a similar strategy. Another question related to where to address tension in a business story, can you end with tension? You can. I just encourage you to think about when this makes sense. Maybe it's an unfinished story. You've identified the tension but don't know how to resolve it. You might use your story and the tension in particular to frame up the discussion that you need your audience to have to determine next steps or gain the support you'll need from them in terms of time and resources to fully explore potential solutions. Though, notice in these cases, I'm still not ending with the tension. Rather, I'm using the tension to help foster what needs to happen next. When it comes to the type of questions we're tackling here, I'm a big fan of talking through the scenario with someone else. Often, the simple practice of articulating things aloud can be enlightening, but then so, of course, should be the conversation that ensues. Storyboarding is another useful strategy when it comes to determining the arrangement of your overall story. When you can move the pieces around in independent ways, you can test out different flows. Do that, then talk through it with someone else, and you'll likely end up with a solid plan of attack. Stepping back, and I guess coming full circle to how I began this podcast, I'm also a fan of looking to and evaluating stories in other realms, books, movies, plays, and then considering what constructs or frameworks you might translate in useful ways to a business setting. 
Related to that, I'll mention a fun session that Mike did recently where he plotted the tension across the course of a number of different movies. He then worked that into an interactive live event where he had people try to identify each. This is an example of understanding how tension used in film can be drawn upon when communicating. The recording of that session is available in our video library that's accessible by premium members in the Storytelling with Data community. It's called Don't Keep Me in Suspense. I'll link to it in our show notes. There's also a great exercise in the Storytelling with Data community, also conceived by Mike, called Build the Tension. This one's open to everyone. In it, he draws the distinction between the tension of knowledge, the tension of importance, of action, urgency, meaning, and gives examples of each, then prompts you to incorporate tension in a provided data communication scenario. I mentioned this before, but practice is definitely key. The more you practice identifying tension, the more straightforward it will be to do so. The more you practice communicating in a way that utilizes tension to get your audience's attention and move them towards action, the more effective you'll be. Before I wrap, a couple quick updates. Our 2023 public workshop schedule has been set. This includes offerings of our foundational half-day storytelling with data workshop. If you'd like to take your skills to the next level and go beyond good graphs, we have a shiny new workshop just for you. You'll get hands-on experience planning, creating, and delivering stellar presentations. We also have a full-day workshop that combines it all. Great graphs and powerful presentations. Details and registration at storytellingwithdata.com slash workshops. Use the code PODCAST10 at checkout for 10% off registration price. If you'd like to learn more about tension and storytelling in a business setting, I encourage you to check out my latest book, Storytelling With You, where I share all my secrets in hopes of helping you become a powerful and confident speaker. On the topic of books, if you teach from or would like to teach from Storytelling with Data books, we have a fantastic resource for university instructors. This includes real-world data sets, exercises, case studies, and more. Go to storytellingwithdata.com university to learn more and join upcoming instructor-focused events. If you'd like to learn via video or would appreciate data visualization and presentation resources to share with others, check out the Storytelling with Data YouTube channel. That's at storytellingwithdata.com YouTube. Subscribe for a no-cost way to support us and be notified of new episodes. Speaking of subscribing, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with a friend. Thanks very much for tuning in. 